Hello and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fettis. I pronounced my name correctly this time because I'm so thrown off by the recording timer that went from not recording yet to having recorded for 20 seconds. So if you hear a long gap at the beginning of the episode, I apologize. Uh, special episode today, talking the best TV shows of 2021, and I have a special guest. Uh, let me just run, run down her credits. Uh, she has a radio show. She's very good on Twitter. She's a returning guest, a returning favorite, some might say. Um, she, she knows more about some shows than I do, and I don't have a life. Um, that's right. It's returning favorite, Haley. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great introduction. I feel very honored. I should have prepared something and had words to say, but it was just, perfect. Uh, Those are truly all of my credits, so you nailed it. All right, we covered everything. Yeah. Um, so you're here because we want to talk about the best TV shows of the year. Yeah, I'm so excited. Most of my life is me repressing talking about TV too much, so to be given an outlet is truly <laughs> what a joy. <laughs> I can identify with that more than you know. <laughs> um, let, let's just get right to it because we have a couple of, of, of big ones that uh, mm. I think we've been holding off on talking about for the pod, mm. uh, as people with podcasts say. <laughs> and uh, this was one of my, I'm actually working on my my numbered list of my favorite shows of the year and this one I think is number three on my list I think it's probably similarly high for you based on your enthusiasm but we <laughs> got to talk succession oh man succession has just been rocking my life for the last nine weeks um, I have a I have a group chat with my brother and my sister-in-law called Succession Scholars, where we would convene every Monday morning while we're all at work and just like go off about the the episode the night before. So I have, oh man, this season was nuts. It it really was, and uh, before before getting into specifics, it's it's one of the few shows that came back this year that didn't look worse for being made during the pandemic for sure yeah like i feel like a lot of shows really kind of ended up scrimping i i think it it went one episode less because of uh budget things due to the pandemic but mm -hmm. you know they used a lot of locations they had extras mm -hmm. uh, most shows that filmed over the last year looked like a season of bottle episodes yeah and yeah succession just looks terrific it looked so good and like kendall's like a kendall's birthday party like the whole time <laughs> i was like how did they do this during a pandemic like just very big scale for such a stupid stupid birthday party <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was so gloriously stupid too oh i was obsessed with it i couldn't stop talking about it for weeks It gets off to such a good start right away with the oh. entering through a simulation of his mother's vagina. Oh, God, like what a maniac. And even just the episode itself got off to such like an insane start with him just alone on that stage singing Billy Joel. Just like, oh, no, what is he doing? 
Like, I think nothing, like, that show is very good at building tension, and the thing about that show is you never really feel, like, the release of tension. I feel like even when something's resolved, you're still very stressed. The one moment I've ever felt relieved in that show is in Kendall's birthday episode, when he decides he's not going to go ahead with, like, being on a cross, singing Billy. Like, that went as soon as he was like, that's a bad idea, let's not do it. Like, the wave of relief... (laughs) That washed over me. I was like, I couldn't have watched it. I would have lost my mind. <laughs> there was a level on which I very much wanted to see that, but I also didn't want that to exist in the world as an image. Oh, I just would have never recovered from it, I think. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to be sure to to talk, and, and there's a lot of a lot of succession to talk about it, and we, we can drill in, but the the finale was was wild i made a very bold claim that i i was afraid i'd have to defend because like you know recency bias you like see a show and you're like that's the best thing i've ever seen and then if you think about it for a week you're like okay it was pretty good i still think that finale is one of the best episodes of television i've ever seen in my life like everyone was at the top of their game it was like beautiful to watch i mean that helps just like being in where were they italy like just i mean yeah that was yeah like it's not gonna look ugly where they were shooting but it looked beautiful beautiful everything yeah and everyone was just nailing it and then you know the actual you know the actual plot of the episode i don't know it just there are so many twists and turns and it just like such a gut punch at the end like they just nailed it i was so stoked like i just wanted to cheer at the end like god that's so good And the thing I, I think made it work especially well was that it's not that much of a plot-driven show usually. Yeah. Like the things you're talking about after, it's not lost where you're talking about the twists and turns the next day. Yeah, it's like, it's all like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I don't mean like, oh, he sold the company. That's not the thing I care about. It's the fact that it's like, man, this dad is so over his children like they've all disappointed him and he just wants to cash out and then there's you know like it's the dynamic of like tom and shiv and like um like roman and jerry like it's all the plot when i mean that it's like all the different dynamics with the characters came to such like a like a crosshairs in that episode where you're just like oh god yeah it was really i never saw saw tom actively acting against shiv like that i was and that really surprised me. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like I want to rewatch the whole season now to figure out when Tom flipped on her, and it could have been as early as like episode three, I think. Like he, like <laughs> she's just so terrible to him. It's like not a surprise that he was like watching out for number one there because she does not have his back ever. <laughs> her her consistent apathy about whether or not he was going to jail was probably. <laughs> probably a wake-up call for him oh my god that was that was dark and then the thing i really really love about the finale like like because i've rewatched it a few times now just to see like you know just catch everything is there's it's just the payoff of that scene between like when tom gets off the phone from shiv where she's basically told him their whole plan and then he goes and talks to greg and he's talking about like do you want to come with me i'm doing something big and all you assume is like oh yeah he's talking about how they're all gonna turn on logan and it's just very satisfying re-watching that episode and being like oh no he's <laughs> no he's not <laughs> on their page at all it's just very oh it's so good one thing that was so much that was funny on the first watch but got so much funnier the second time around was uh 
uh, Connor's sort of tantrum at the beginning <laughs> where he wants to be included and he's the eldest son and he matters. And yeah. that was funny enough because that character that character just kills me. But uh, then nobody thinks about him for the rest of the episode. And knowing that makes it so much funnier. Oh, there's a really funny bit that I, I only caught it on like my third rewatch. It's when they're in the car, like the, the, the other three siblings, and they're in the car. And um, Roman is on the phone with Connor and he says, I'm just trying to loop you in, but you're not getting it right now. You're really slow. Like, that's all. <laughs> like, yes. Like, once I call, in, the, in the phone call, he's calling Connor dumb, but saying like, we're calling you because he threw a tantrum essentially. But it's literally maybe <laughs> 10 seconds of dialogue. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, Connor really cracks me up. He's probably the one I've had the biggest shift on because I really, really hated Connor for a long I don't I mean they're all terrible people so it's just kind of like you just kind of go in being like baseline they're all terrible but I'll have favorites anyways but right. Connor I did not like but season three Connor I don't know something something switched and I was like yeah, I'm kind of on board for Connor now Connor was sort of terrible in a one note way before yeah and there's I something think, where he yeah. got so much sadder this season <laughs> just, he just wants to be president so bad and everyone just like <laughs> You heard a joke. <laughs> I really hope you know that storyline comes up, though, like the episode where they basically, you know, quote unquote, pick the next president. I'm assuming that'll be a season four plot line, right? I I assume so. But I was going to say that was one thing I really kind of had misgivings about just because the the idea of a wealthy family deciding to help install a white supremacist as president is. uh a little dark. uncomfortable right now. Yeah. That was like a real moment where everyone who loved Roman, like you kind of, you were reminded like, oh no, he's a bad, you're right. He's a bad guy. <laughs> he's really, really <laughs> awful. <laughs> like, yeah, he's funny and like sad, but like, oh no, he's also like truly, 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 truly bad. <laughs> he, he's got stuff besides wanting his father's approval. That you have yeah. Which like the finale kind of like, sidestepped all that so you were almost back on his side like it's almost like you could forget how yeah that, that he basically handpicked a white supremacist and then also how awful he was to Kendall at that aforementioned birthday party in the finale he like was sort of re redeemed by like that scene when Kendall talks about like the the death of that like waiter and all that and all the siblings that whole scene is like oh my god that scene is so good and Karen Culkin's amazing. Because they, those three have had so little emotional connection over three seasons. Yeah. Like, yeah. if the last is in season two, is that when, um, oh, what is it? Someone's like, do you want a hug? Like, do you want to talk about, it? or maybe it's season one, and they all just make fun of whoever suggested it, I think, as Roman. Yeah. And see them actually have an emotional moment with the three of them, like, supporting each other was was wild. But still, still being themselves, like Roman's reaction to finding out about that death was to be like, yeah, no wonder it took me 45 minutes to get a gin and tonic. Oh, you know? That's a very good joke. It really it made me laugh. Really and I was like, oh, I'm a bad person. <laughs> but it's so good. Oh, God. I love that show. But yeah, people, a lot of people were kind of complaining about season three at first. And I think it's my favorite season from episode one to the end. I, I loved every episode. Yeah, I think virtually everything, every episode had a really good, like, 
character moment or a set piece or yeah. like every and and maybe it's because it's the first season that I watched in real time. Mm. Uh, I I kind of jumped on near the end of season two and season two uh, the season two finale was the first one I watched on TV rather than on streaming. Oh, so you got in just in time to have to wait two years for the next season. Yes. <laughs> I, I maybe wouldn't have hustled so much had I known I didn't have a lot of time to fill. I, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think I got in about halfway through season two. Then I started watching it weekly. But in between season two and season three, I got my brother and his wife to watch it. So season three was the first time where I had, like, immediate, like, people in my life to talk about it with. So I feel like that really added to the how much I enjoyed this season rather than just, like, scrolling through Twitter after each episode, which is also very fun. But <laughs> it, was, it was nice to... Like, actually, and my brother and wife, we watched the finale all together. And that was, like, we're all just, like, speculating wildly before it started. And then no one talked for an hour. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just gasping. <laughs> oh, those are the best TV experiences. Oh, honestly, it's so good. So, as a result of, of not watching the others in real time, I, I can't tell if my perception is, is skewed. Because mm. now I... I watched each episode as a you know as a discrete unit rather than one of three episodes I was going to watch that afternoon mm -hmm. and but for whatever whether it was that or whether whether this is actually true I feel like this was the best season at making each episode stand out individually if that makes sense yeah that like, totally makes sense like you can you can pull up an episode from this season and say what happened in that episode. And this is the thing I'm kind of obsessed with, and I'm not explaining it well, but uh uh you watched you watched some of the Sopranos at least, right? Um at least five sixths of it. Okay. That was a show which I you know, and I won't argue, one of the best shows ever. It was terrible at making each episode matter. Yeah. You would get an episode sometimes and watching it in real time when there'd be 18 months between, like every season had a succession break, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you oh, okay, it's been 18 months. We get 12 new episodes. Oh, this one is just reminding you of all the storylines that'll be important eventually. Yeah, um, that's kind of touching on to the point of, I think it's Alan Sepinwall. I think I talk about him all the time, even though I don't agree with his op opinions that much anymore, but he's a TV critic. And he used to always complain about how a lot of drama series, the angle they take now is that the whole season is almost like a long movie, you know, so it's like, it's exactly what you're saying, where episodes don't stand on their own they all build towards this final narrative where it's like oh man the last two episodes of that season rule it's like yeah but what about episodes one through eight like that's eight hours <laughs> like and I think you're totally right that that seems to be the thing a lot of shows are doing but I really miss and I really love and I think Lost actually did do this which maybe is a controversial opinion but it's what you're saying about this season of Succession where every episode was like a good story in its own and it all still built to the finale you know like it was the perfect combo of the two kind of types of writing for dramas I don't know if that makes sense yeah no I I agree with you uh, and I think a lot of the like post Sopranos shows that got succession levels of attention did it better than Sopranos I think Mad Men and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul all sort of uh 
like all of those shows, pretty much every episode, you could be like, oh yeah, that's the episode where this thing happens. This is mm-hmm. the story of this episode. Mm-hmm. And part of that to me seems like it's, it seems to, and, and there's no way to know as you're going into it, but uh, if, if the creator wants to be making TV or if they want to be making movies, like David yeah. Chase of The Sopranos, famously, all he wanted to do was make a movie, and then he made a Sopranos movie, and it was the worst Sopranos thing. <laughs> but he kind of thought of TV as a garbage medium, and uh, uh, Vince Gilligan, and uh, I can't remember the name of the creator of Succession right now, but they're, they're people who seem to genuinely Jer- love TV. Yeah, I can't remember the name of. Is it like Jesse Armstrong? I get a confused. Jesse Armstrong, Jer- yes. Is that right, Kay? Because I, I was like, it's Jeremy Strong. It's like, no, that's Kendall. <laughs> They're very similar <laughs> names in my brain. Um, yeah, but Jesse Armstrong didn't he come from um, a bunch of TV, great TV shows, right? So I feel like he must appreciate what the medium can do. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up the just to. Wasn't he in the thick of it, like the the Veep? What? Um, oh my god, I think you're right. Right? Which is very funny that he wrote like a hard comedy and then I mean Succession I think is very funny, but it's not a it's not a comedy. <laughs> but it is very funny. Right. It's it does comedy better than most actual comedies, but <laughs> yeah. it also does that magic trick that uh <laughs> I was I was watching House recently. And House in a, in a, in the the better episodes of House did this, where it's about things that we do not understand, but it still gets across what the stakes are. Mm. Like, I don't necessarily know what it means that they were trying that they were going to form a holding company or there's a margin call or I just understand those are business things. Yeah, and even without knowing the specifics, like, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> I I understand that that's important. I, oh yeah, yeah. Jesse Armstrong did a million like British comedies. Yeah, just looking at his writing credits, and I was like, oh yeah, he's been he's been doing it. Yeah, he really has. I did not know he was British. That's really uh, his seems succession seems <laughs> so so distinctly American in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's very true. It's um, yeah. <laughs> There's like a the the darkness of it feels distinctly like American, and I don't know how to explain it. Like <laughs> something about it. It's also anytime Adam McKay and Will Ferrell's names come up as like the executive producers, I don't know why it makes me laugh that Will Ferrell, even though I know he has apps, like he doesn't touch the show. Just having his name associated with it always makes me laugh. It is the most jarring name to see. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, huh? What? <laughs> do the episodes end with a Gary Sanchez production card? <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> with like Nicholas Rattel's beautiful score, just like <laughs> that card popping up would be <laughs> absurd. <laughs> that really is. It's got some of the best music on TV, doesn't it? Oh man, I watched so many interviews with that composer, and he just, he just he just cares so much and he like loves the stories and he like really wants to craft it to match it with each episode. And like, it's just, he does such a phenomenal job. It's just, 
Yeah, it's so interesting. I love when it's like that's the thing where I love about shows where it's like down to every detail and everyone just cares so much about putting forward the best product or the best, you know, best show. It just it pays off like, yeah, like there's some shows you can tell where it's like, oh, man, people are phoning it in (laughs) and it shows up in the final product. So that's the thing I love about Succession. And I know everyone was going off on that Jeremy Strong profile that came out like right before the finale yeah. I was reading it and I was just like sure like actors are weirdos like who cares like I was just like yeah he's good <laughs> whatever he's doing is working like he's not hurting anyone it's fine he's just like a weird annoying dude it's okay right he's not but hurting he, anybody but it, yeah he it just cares that uh like Brian Cox and Kieran Culkin were like you could tone it down a little like you know, they seem to want him to be happy more than to yeah. make himself miserable. That's the thing. There are so many takes where people are like, his co-workers clearly hate him. It's like, no, they all care about him and are just like, man, you're doing a good job. You can relax yeah. a bit. Like, they all clearly love him. It's just like, they're just like, man, the show is intense. Like, take a breath. You can chill. <laughs> you're going to make more bad things are going to happen to you. <laughs> It's almost endless bad things for Kendall. The one tweet that really made me laugh, though, came out after, like, the penultimate episode. You know, when everyone was like, Kendall's dead. Um, And someone tweeted, like, if he's such a method actor, Jeremy Strong would be dead, too. So, guys, we're okay. (laughs) Great point. Kendall's still with us. And I'm very happy about that. Because what a, I don't know, I would have, what a weird, yeah. If Kendall had died, I don't even know what the show would be. And that would be such a weird way to to do it is like the way that scene was shot, it was not even necessarily clear that you could make the like you could watch that and not even pick up on anything was wrong. He was the yeah. man was in a floaty. Yeah. Yeah. When you see it from yeah. below, you can't really tell when his face breaks the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. But I do have to say about that profile, the one thing that was very funny to me was when Aaron Sorkin jumps in to defend him. It's like, oh, good. I'm sure he appreciates the support of famously normal man Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, just maybe it's okay, Aaron. Just sit this one out. (laughs) Not, Not that I don't appreciate the support of somebody who once devoted an entire episode of his TV show to slamming somebody who was mean to him on a message board, but... God. People sure have a lot of patience for Aaron Sorgan. Like, he really just keeps coming back with whatever he wants to do. Ugh, God. Not for me. He does, and he somehow got Nicole Kidman to just commit to everything he does. Oof. He's done so many miniseries with Nicole Kidman, and, and <laughs> I don't know what dirt he has on her. I think it's a it's a it's a Kendall situation. <laughs> she definitely killed a waiter, and he's the only one who knows. Yeah, he helped cover it up. My brother has a theory for for next season, or just maybe just for how this show, like the our theory is the only way Logan could ever be like quote unquote like taken down is to do like a if Kendall did a full like I don't know kamikaze where he revealed everything about the waiter and that Logan covered it up like it's kind of one of those things where the only way Logan can get taken down is if just everyone goes down with him I'm curious oh, what your man. thoughts are on that 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 does seem like the only I don't know if if that's if that's the end game but it does seem like 
the only like the only story way to accomplish it. He's so invincible. Well, it's kind of like the thing Tom was saying. I won't quote it directly because it's a family friendly podcast. But how are you saying basically everyone else has been taken down constantly but logan has always been the mm-hmm. one he's always been the one who wins and logan even says it in the finale like this is i won <laughs> like shut up everyone and it's that thing of like yeah anyone who tries to go up against him loses but it's like if you just pull him down with you it maybe that's the only way but yeah it's a mutually assured destruction yeah exactly and kendall's a moody wild card so it, it's that's the character who'd do it. He needs some therapy. <laughs> he needs a nice therapist. <laughs> he needs so much therapy. Yeah. One of the yeah. saddest things I've maybe... Yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he'd turn on his therapist the moment he made progress. Oh, for sure. He would be the worst therapy patient ever. Because he thinks he's smarter than everyone. Um, but maybe the saddest moment on television that I can think of in recent memory was when his at his birthday party and he's trying to find like when his wife mentions that his kids gave him a gift and you oh, can God. see the switch in his brain where that's now the only thing he cares about getting because it's probably the only gift that even like remotely means something. And then just him str- like when he's tearing through all those boxes, it's just, oh, gosh, that was so heartbreaking. I just couldn't stand it. Oh, oh Kendall. <laughs> I so needed the satisfaction of him finding that, too, and it kills me when he did. I know. We'll never know. <laughs> oh. Okay. You know what? Let's pivot to a, a, a show about pleasant people, <laughs> uh, which is also very high on my list for the year. Uh, it's our friend Joe Para, and he's talking with us. She sure is. I um, I'm coming at you with a weird energy because I all day I was like listening to Kanye West and like rapping gifts, and I don't normally listen to Kanye West because he's like a very bad person. But I just was in the mood, and then immediately from that I watched, I don't know, six episodes of Joe Perry talks with you. <laughs> so it's just like the combination of energies I've consumed <laughs> today is very weird. Um, but man, I yeah. So I just finished right before this call, season three of Joe Perry, and um, my goodness. That show is like the coziest thing in the world. And it just it just gets me right in the heart just about every week. There's Oh my gosh. I cried more times watching that show. And out of half like just like I'm just so happy. Like it just is so comforting. I just like well up. I've don't mm-hmm. think I've ever had a TV show like that. We're just like I, I even t- I talked about it, but it's like the first episode when it's just him like walking into frame. I just felt so happy. <laughs> I like had tears in my eyes. I was like, "It's my friend Joe. <laughs> and talk to me about some chairs." Well, as 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 a a tall, awkward Michigan man who is uncomfortable <laughs> showing emotions, I uh, he's your I relate very heavily to Joe Para. Yeah, I wonder uh, if like in the Midwest attitude, like there's something very cozy about everyone being in winter coats, like just. Just I don't know. I just relate to it because like where I'm from, winter is like six months of the year. So it's just like I don't know. It just feels so relatable. <laughs> it, it, the show is set in a, in a very different part of Michigan than I'm from, but they get so many details about the region just 
perfect in a way that people who aren't from Michigan would never even notice. Really? Like the second oh, I love fridge that. Thing. Like, when I was a kid, everybody had a second fridge. You know, that's I relate to that too. Everyone, yeah, we had a second fridge going up too. I feel like your state and my province are very they're they're similar in the good and the bad ways. I I yeah, I kind of get that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Before we talk about this season, can I tell you my Joe Paris story, which I might have told you before, in which case I apologize? I have not ever heard a Joe Paris story from you, so go for it. Okay, last season was the the one where he writes this, where he writes an obituary for for his nana. Yes. Which is just an incredible piece of television, and it very much gets at this, and and. and and maybe uh, this is another thing where, where my state and your province are similar. It's this very Midwestern style of grief where you just have to keep doing stuff rather than processing. Mm -hmm. And everybody brings you casseroles because that's the only way they can tell you they care. Yeah. And like this very, and there was this very specific thing where he turns in the obituary for his, his grandmother and they can't even run it because it's 45 pages long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple years before that, my my grandfather passed away, and we had sort of a similar relationship uh, as Joe and his grandmother, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. And I was the one who delivered the eulogy at his funeral, despite almost every other male member of my family being a minister. <laughs> and because that that's what he wanted, and I I wrote this this eulogy that was maybe too long, and as I was delivering it, I couldn't stop talking even when I'd hit the end of the what I had written mm -hmm. because I just wanted to keep sharing things about him and yeah. I couldn't I couldn't stop talking I couldn't figure out how to how to be done yeah and I just about had a breakdown up there because I, I like I literally couldn't figure out the next thing to do all I wanted to do was keep talking yeah and so that felt that that just felt so true. It was this weird thing where it's like I experienced this exact thing and somebody has put it on TV. Oh, uh, the the one other moment that happened was on Louis C.K.'s show. So obviously that now means significantly less to me. <laughs> uh, but I, I wrote about that for my old website and uh, uh, Joe Firestone wrote that episode. Yes. Her dad DM'd me on Twitter to tell me how much he enjoyed it. Oh my gosh! Very nice conversation, and he was—he's just this very sweet man who was very excited that his daughter did a good job of writing, and he liked what I had to say. And he's like, "Oh, I'll let her know what you said," and it was just so sweet. It was just so, like, I don't know. It—it it, it was very Joe Para energy. Yeah, that is like, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. So, you know, for a fact, Joe Firestone read your, like, really nice words. Of, oh, that's so nice. That probably made her day. Just seeing how much something meant to someone, you know, like, oh, gosh, that's a very good story. It probably made her very uncomfortable. Given, I doubt uh, it. How she seems to behave. <laughs> no, she's a sweetie, I think. Like, her oh, little she really special. Is. She yeah. Just, she seems perpetually uncomfortable. <laughs> that's, okay. that's fair. <laughs> so here's a thing that I have been thinking about this season, and I want to bounce mm -hmm. this off you because I haven't really talked to anybody about it. Mm 
they made a point of mentioning a couple of times this season that it was 2018. Yes, yes. And initially, I assumed that was just so they didn't have to address pandemic stuff. Yeah. But what that does is put the pandemic in their near future. Yeah. And I'm sort of wondering now, because the uh, Sarah's arc seems to be that she's getting away from sort of her doomsday prep lifestyle. She's making friends. She's realized she can't live underground. And, you know, their beautiful scene of him taking the, taking her to the land he bought so they could have a cabin. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if she kind of re-enters society just in time for everything to go to hell. And I don't know how you tell that story on this show. Oh, that's so interesting. Because, yeah, I did notice, yeah, in the first episode, they say it's 2018. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Because the first series, like first season came out 2018. And if you looked at, if you look at the... I guess the timeline of events. Yeah, it makes sense that like two years hasn't passed in like the story they're telling. Um, But the one thing that totally goes with what you're saying, how it seems like they're almost building it up for then is the whole season. She's saying, I just feel like something bad's coming. I just feel like something's bad's coming. And it's like, oh, gosh, is it the pandemic? Is that what they're hinting at? That she can feel this like horrible thing coming? Because, yeah, that would be a very dark season of um, Joe Parra if everything Sarah like has been preparing for and freaking out for then all of a sudden (laughs) comes true like and she loses these new friends and like oh my goodness gracious yeah I mean you know the Melskis are anti-maskers there's no oh Oh, god you're so right (laughs) I didn't even think about it like that yeah Connor O'Malley's character is not putting on a mask (laughs) but yeah it was so it's I, I don't know how this show would approach something like that. And, you know, maybe they, maybe they get to the, maybe they jump to post to a Joe Para time jump in the next couple seasons. Yeah. Or they just but, keep it firmly prior to March. Actually, no, based on the characterization of Sarah, she would be following it as soon as it hits the news in Wuhan. So she'd be like, yeah, late. Mid-2019 is when stuff would start getting, yeah, Sarah would start freaking out. Yeah, yeah I'm very curious. You should ask Joe Para and find him somehow. How how will Joe Para handle the pandemic? <laughs> I'll direct message him on Instagram where he solely posts pictures of tomatoes. I know, it's my favorite Instagram. It's so wholesome. <laughs> it's so soothing. But, uh-huh. So... Yeah, there's that sense of dread, but other than that, it's such a, it's such a, it's just so sweet and and funny and the um the gene running for president of the world (laughs) 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 on his platform, and they're all great ideas, but I just was like, this is such a weird (laughs) bit. (laughs) He works part time selling sofas, and he's running for president of the world. President of the world. Yeah. Oh. And then that <laughs> little kid. To happen off yeah. yeah. And then the little kid who was raised in like what Antarctica in a base of scientists. <laughs> <laughs> Just like in a world that's like the stories are always so you know grounded. It's like he's gonna build a chair today or he's gonna fly a drone. Like and then there's it's always just 
the little moments of just pure absurdity <laughs> that just make me so happy. Yeah, you get just a just a little these this surrealism creeps in. That's, yeah. yeah. That he rolls with. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, sure, I'll wear my pin for Eugene. Showing my support. <laughs> it was this season sort of acknowledged the real world in ways that it hasn't before. Like they did have uh, uh, Sarah had that fight about Betsy DeVos uh, with her friends. I don't remember if yeah. they ever said her name, but yeah, we know. And yeah. <laughs> the, the the magician lady with some questionable opinions, and <laughs> it's it it was sort of this sad thing where oh yeah, all the terrible stuff of the last few years is creeping into this. This I know the safe haven. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. Like it's like if Gilmore Girls had had a Black Lives Matter episode or something. It. Oh it's, God. They would have handled that so poorly. <laughs> oh, they would have. <laughs> That's a show I love, but upon rewatching, has not aged well in a lot of ways. No, there's some roof stoop in that that show. <laughs> yeah, I I love Joe Paris so much. Like you it's like, yeah. I made me cry, even though it was. I mean, it was just sort of this. It was just sort of of thoughtful. It wasn't anything too. Yeah, like it wasn't the thing with actually no. For one with one exception, the show never makes me cry because I'm sad. It's just like it just is so warm. I'm like overwhelmed by how nice it is. <laughs> The only time it made me cry went was regarding when his his grandma passed away. Those like two ep there's like a three episode run that's just like so sweet and sad, and then there's like those moments of devastation, like mm -hmm. when he goes to when he travels with Jean to Jean's son's fashion show, <laughs> or you know that episode, and when Joe wanders off to that one I don't know where it's like the constellations in the sky, oh, or yeah. in that museum or whatever it is. Um, and that made me like, oh man, the waterworks were going off. <laughs> the, the 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 Christmas episode that sort of it's like a prelude to the series. Oh yes, Have yes. you seen that one that helped you find the perfect Christmas tree? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a bit that just destroys me where he's like having this fantasy of a life where he has a wife and kids. Yeah. And he's recounting just the very normal conversation they would have, but he's sort of doing it in the way of, of a man who feels like that's out of reach for him. Yeah. And again, I say as a as an awkward Midwestern man with very little access to to uh, uh, sharing emotions, I <laughs> felt that so hard. You have no idea. Oh. Yeah. He. Yeah. That show is so surprising, especially for an adult swim show, which is like, it just, it's what an enigma. The fact that that show exists just feels like such a blessing. There, there is nothing on adult swim that's even close in tone to that. Oh my God. I can't even, I've never watched it on adult swim. I just buy it on YouTube or whatever, but like, I can't even imagine what's the pre, like what airs before Joe Perry and what shows after and how like, how jarring <laughs> the like mood switch must be. <laughs> it lead into it with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to cry if I talk about Joe Parra too much. Uh, <laughs> we, okay, here's what I want to jump to because it was also very high on my list, but I don't know what your opinion is on it because it was just on your list of shows you watched. Oh, I'm excited. Hacks. Oh, I loved it. Right, that was really good. I um was kind of uncertain. I have a heart. I have a heart. The weird thing about Hacks is I love Gene Smart. Gene Smart, fantastic. That character, love her. It's I have a hard time connecting with the main character whose name I can't even pull right now. Is um, it Hannah? Hannah. Or is her real name Hannah? I think the actress's name is Hannah. <laughs> Like oh, Hannah Einbinder or something, but yes. it could also be her character's name. I, I'm not sure. I just it took me a, a good chunk of the season to like genuinely care about her, and I think that's sort of intentional. She's supposed to be like the stereotypical cold, sarcastic millennial, which unfortunately maybe it's because I'm very close to her personality-wise. <laughs> that's maybe why I'm <laughs> like, I don't care about this person. Um, but it took me until her and. Gene Smart's character like actually started getting along for me to feel like really invested um but the show itself I thought was so great and I mean it's like the people behind it are all people who I like from their previous projects it's like a writer who was on like the good place and Parks and Rec and then like the Broad City folks like it's like a good solid crew um so I was like destined to like it but I really I really liked it yeah I I enjoyed it. Well, you're someone who has done stand-up comedy. How did you feel about like the comedy aspects of it? Did you think that was like true? If now my my experience is extremely limited, and my success even more so. Uh, <laughs> also, the character's name is Ava, which I would not have guessed for a million dollars. That's like a bad sign when you can't pull a character's name for it. But granted, Hacks was earlier in the year, so we've, yeah. we've all forgotten things. <laughs> It's hard to remember character names. Oh, I know. It's rough. It, it was interesting to me because age-wise, I kind of fall in the middle of of, uh, of Ava and, and Deborah, mm-hmm. And so it's these two sort of performance things that are, one feels like a, a lot of the thing I was starting to see when I stopped doing stand-up uh, mm-hmm. with any regularity. And, you know, one is kind of the thing I grew up watching. Yeah. And it does get the, especially with, with, with Ava, which I can identify with more because she is not successful as a comedian. <laughs> I mean, successful enough to get work, which has, has me beat. <laughs> just, just the ways in which it's sort of, where it can be miserable. And yeah. it's something you look forward to and that it's never satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I I really hate to keep bringing this guy up. This will be the second that I promised last time, but it was a thing that Louie did very well. Yeah. Uh, because I do that was a good show that I will never be able to watch again. <laughs> uh, but that really got the there was a, a thing where he he did stand up, he just absolutely killed. And then afterwards he's kind of hanging out by the door so people are walking past him and nobody will make eye contact with him or acknowledge him and possibly because they felt the creep vibes coming off of him <laughs> person but i have had that so many times where i did what i thought was really really good and i then i make eye contact later with people who people who you know like yelled things and 
they look away from you like you're some sort of, of deviant. Yeah. It's, I wonder why that is. Is it just like the thing of like the difference between a person being a person on this on a stage and then like, you know, as soon as they step off, it's like, oh, no, they're just, you know, they're just a person now. Like, I, I wonder what the mentality of that is. I think that's part of it. And there's there's this weird. This weird. I hesitate to say power because I have none. But when somebody is on a stage and talking into a microphone and you are sitting beneath them and have to be quiet, it's it's just it it I don't know. You you yeah, you come down from being this person who who they have they they are required to quietly indulge at the very least. Yeah, it, I think you're right. Yeah. I see. Just that. you know, it's I don't know. And and part of it is especially depending on what what kind of material you do but if you uh a, a lot of my my jokes are about the ways in which i'm terrible <laughs> uh and you sort of i don't you, you know all of a sudden you hey it's kind of funny but now this there's this person who's standing there and you just heard him talk about how bad he is at sexting and that's a thing you wouldn't necessarily know about a person you just <laughs> talk to in a room now that you I did used to be a huge fan of Louis CK I mean before I knew of like I I mean I was in I was a person who loved comedy so it's like of course you yeah and and now that you're saying that that I'm trying to think like if back when in the heyday of when I loved Louis CK if I had seen him and had an opportunity to talk to him I do not think I would want to like I don't think I would have wanted to because he shares so much on stage that makes makes you laugh when it's jokes, but then it's like, yeah, when he's just a person, you know all this like all of his disgusting thoughts, and you're just like, right. I don't want to talk to that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to know that person. Stay away from me. That's an interesting point. That's I guess the double edged sword of being like a vulnerable. If you're up on stage telling something about yourself, you have to really live with the fact that well, now everyone knows that. <laughs> People know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about my material too much because there's TV to talk about, but I did, I went through a run where I had this, this, I can't believe I'm saying this to you and putting it on a podcast, where I went, <laughs> oh, no. my closing joke was about the frequency, frequency with which I had diarrhea. <laughs> and that was because my grandfather's nursing home, uh, uh, obviously when he was, when he was still alive, had a sign up that said, uh, if you've suffered from any of the following conditions in the past two weeks you may not pass this point and it's you know it's like fever you know it's it's old people so they're trying to be very careful in it they name a bunch of things and one of them is diarrhea and my joke was well i guess i'll never see my grandfather again (laughs) that's a very good joke that's a great joke i would still talk to you after a show after that joke (laughs) but people remembered it and somebody saw me coming out of a bathroom and nodded at me and went diarrhea (laughs) No, you can't assume that's what was happening in there. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I, I know how Jim Gaffigan feels about being the Hot Pockets guy, except way grosser. Oh, God, that's very, very funny. The, your joke is funny, but also the fact that that person did that is an extremely good joke. It's very funny. That would have made me really laugh. But uh, as for hacks... Uh, I also we don't see shows about women in comedy very often. Definitely not portrayed like that. Like, yeah, I totally, 
Yeah, I agree. See, see, she knows more about women who write comedy, like, you know, uh, 30 Rock or something. But yeah, I think the number of female stand-ups we've seen on TV, you know, in scripted television as opposed to performing stand-up comedy yeah. is is pretty small. There's also something I just really love that it's coming from the perspective of like, she's already early, like, so like Deborah, she's already extremely successful, extremely wealthy. And I like that she's like old, I like, mm-hmm. but not like in her like 40s isn't old. I like that she's like 70. Like, I like that she's like, I don't know. I just love yeah, seeing she's had a career. someone who. Yeah, like I like seeing stories about, and it's just, I'm really excited for season two since it seems like it's going to be about her not just doing her like quote unquote like hacky jokes that she's been doing for the last you know 25 years that it's like you get to see her trying new stuff and like most likely failing sometimes sometimes succeeding like I think it's just such an interesting story that they're gonna tell I'm very excited about it yeah now here's the thing that's that is crazy about hacks to me just as a show is it's on HBO max but not on television (laughs) Is that true? Yeah, it's an it's a Max exclusive, and I feel like it it more than warrants being on TV. You know what's interesting? I can't tell what the decision is between putting something on HBO Max and HBO. Like, is it something like they don't think as many people will watch it, or do they think, oh, well, younger people who don't pay for cable will watch it, so they'll stream? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I really don't understand the the like the decision making with what they put where my conspiracy theory is that they are going to phase out hbo sooner rather than later because the paying for the cable channel is the same as paying for the streaming service interesting and they don't have to split anything with direct tv or 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 whoever your cable provider is that's really annoying as a canadian because we don't have HBO Max. We have a streamer, a streaming thing called Crave, and you can pay an extra amount to get HBO. And the thing that's super annoying is, like, we get some HBO Max originals on it, but we don't get all of them. So it's like, I was able to watch Hacks. I was able to watch a few other shows, but, like, something like The Other Two. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Oh, yeah. Season two. I love that show. Season one is so funny. But season two... Like, and I could watch, anyway, season two was not available on our, like, streaming thing in Canada, so I, like, haven't been able to see season two, so there's, like, certain shows, for some reason, we don't get, and it's my same beef with Peacock TV and Hulu, like, certain Hulu shows will show up on Crave, but no Peacock TV shows have, so it's, like, there's certain TV shows that I would love to see, like, Rutherford Rutherford Falls and, like, Girls 5 Eva and MacGruber, but it's, like, I there's no way to watch them in Canada yet. <laughs> and I don't like torrenting. I like to either pay for TV, like buy it on YouTube or something, or like just pay for a streaming subscription. And I'm just, anyways, that's me going off about HBO. So I, I if they do just switch to HBO Max, they better let us get it all in Canada. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do a, as I know Netflix does, like in the, in other countries, like Paramount Plus exclusives are on Netflix outside of the U.S. So, oh, interesting. You know, maybe, maybe that'll. Ha- I I hope so. I Me I too. was surprised I that Girls Five Eva wasn't on your list, and now I know why. Yeah, I truly. I haven't figured out. A, there's one 
thing with like an addition, you like Slack TV or something on Amazon Prime that has some of the Peacock TV stuff. But I canceled my Amazon Prime due to principles. Um, but now I'm like, oh man, my principles are being tested because there's a lot of TV <laughs> that I would like right. to watch. <laughs> but so maybe that's, that's how. It's what, uh, what sucks about Amazon being good at TV. Yeah. I um yeah yeah. <laughs> you think I'm gonna miss the boys? I'm not going to miss the boys. I know, and that's one of the shows that I really liked, also. And I'm just like, I might, I don't know what I'll do. I'll figure something out. Uh, so, it, you had another HBO Max show on here, and this is another thing I haven't heard your opinion on. So I'm, I'm curious. Uh, the Sex Lives of College Girls. You know what? I, I actually really liked it. Okay. Um, I find like it's a Mindy Kaling created show. I'm not sure if she's the showrunner or not. Um, but Mindy Kaling sometimes is really hit or miss for me. I think mm-hmm. she's an extremely talented comedy writer. Um, but I don't know how much I love her as a performer. So weirdly, like never have I ever is another Mindy Kaling co-created show. But I know she's not the showrunner on that. But weirdly, I've had I've really liked the show she's been like a producer or a writer on more than like the Mindy Project. Back yeah, in the yeah, day. I like, that. Um, even though I like the Mindy Project, I watch every single episode, but I don't go back and rewatch it or anything. Right. Um, but Sex Lives of, of College Girls, I actually really liked, especially near the end of the season. Like the first few episodes, I was a bit like, "What are we getting into here, gang?" Um, but then it, it really grew on me, and I am excited it got renewed for season two. Yeah, Did you watch it? I yeah, I was gonna say I ended up really liking it, and I feel like I should not be watching a show with that title. <laughs> uh, it's a very Cinemax title. Yeah, it sounds a lot more scandalous than it really is. Yeah, it absolutely, but it's so, it's so open-hearted and positive. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and yeah, there's you know the six hand jobs at the party and stuff, but uh. <laughs> It's, oh God. I forgot about which, that. <laughs> which was very funny, but it's, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, felt like a total creep about the title, but there was nothing about the show that made me feel like a dirty old man. So I was able yeah. to watch it. I think a lot of the stuff that wouldn't have worked for me with that show ended up working because I think the casting of those actresses of like that core, core four was just like phenomenal. Cause I think even though I'm blank, Bella, I think if yes. it was with a different actress, I would maybe not have enjoyed that character as much, but because of how great that actress is, I like loved that character. Um, she is so same funny. with the rest of them. She's so funny. Like she's great timing. She's like extremely good facial expressions, which is just like my favorite kind of comedic actors, like, which is most of the good ones anyways, like the ones who just have like the most expressive faces. Um, and I really liked, I'm forgetting the, what's that? I can't remember the character's name, but it's Timothy Chalamet's oh. sister. What is that character's name? Oh, wait, I did not know that was a, a thing. Yeah. Um, she's the one who works. She wants the one who get, loses her scholarship. Spoiler. Oh away. yeah. Sort of the, sort of the, the dorkier, the, like, yeah. Out of her depth. Yeah. A little bit. I'm pulling I up. Let's get her I loved um I loved that character so much by the end. And at the beginning yeah. I found her a little bit hard to root for and then by the end I just Kimberly. loved her. Kimberly. Yeah, Kimberly was uh yeah, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that show. I was surprised by how much I ended up loving it. 
yeah, that was it. I just finished watching it a couple days ago, and I yeah, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. It's very fun because it has some very very similar arcs of all of Mindy Kaling's writing, and it made me like actually laugh out loud in the final episode when Bella goes over to like the nerdy, you know, like like the guy she's been having conflict with all season, like the I guess he was one of the editors of that paper. Oh yeah. And then they like have a cute kind of moment where you're like, oh, they're gonna end up dating because that is like the most Mindy Kaling like story arc in the history of the world. Like characters who hate each other end up falling in love. It's in everything she's like ever written. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Which also feels like a thing her character on The Office would be very into. Well, yeah, I think yeah, it's all yeah. It happened on the Mindy Project. Happened on The Office. Happened in Never Have I Ever. Happened in like it's just it's a and I always love it. You know, I'm a sucker for it every single time. So. But um, it just made me laugh. I was like, Mindy never lets us down. <laughs> we should, her characters, her leads are going to end up with the nerdy white boy every time. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we get into any other show, and you can edit this out yeah. if it's not a good, if it, if you don't, whatever. Um, you mentioned to me that you didn't finish Mayor of Easttown. May I ask yeah. why? Um. I thought everything being done was very good. Like I thought the the actors were were great, uh, you know, across the board. And I'm just I am having such an aversion to to, to murder shows right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not even the fault of the show. I've just uh, and I watch. I mean, I just said good things about the boys i i clearly watched violent things yeah but the things that are really focused on murder and i don't know they i'm having a hard time right now at this point in my life that's a thing i'm having a hard time enjoying as as fiction mm. and i i mean that'll probably swing i mean i you know how many times i watched perry mason last year which was about a uh which was about that is baby. that is so nuts to me how many times you watched that show I had such a hard time getting through it not because similarly like the acting I mean I Matthew Reese stand till I die I love him don't I will watch anything he's in forever um but I had such a hard time with how graphic it was like I really can't I'm such like a squeamish little baby when it comes to that stuff so yeah a lot of the stuff in Perry Mason I just like couldn't stomach watching and I just had this with a show called Yellow Jackets I tried oh. watching it and in the first episode someone like a character's shin breaks and you see oh. the bone shoot out of their leg and I was and I just turned off my TV like I was like well yeah guess I can't watch this show <laughs> I am I am weirdly super dialed in on the Yellow Jackets but that scene almost made me throw up okay is is does it get better or is it that level of gnarly the whole time because I really want to get like I was very in like I was in I was like this seems like a show totally up my alley people like crack like a plane crash like come on yeah it's a weird mystery location with maybe supernatural stuff happening yeah like (laughs) hell yeah that's so up my alley but as soon as I saw that and then even in the opening there's like where the person like falls and they stab their hand I was like okay this might be a dicey one and then as soon as I saw that shin bone I was out does it get yeah, easier to watch or is it pretty consistently gory? It never gets that bad again. There is a mutilated leg. 
uh, I think later in the first episode or maybe the second <laughs> one. Uh, and it has to be cut off with an axe. Oh but my gosh. It has not really gotten that graphic since then. Good golly. Okay, well, maybe I'll try it again and I, I'll just be like really, I might just have to do some like covering of the old eyeballs for certain parts. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, now, and, and now you've exposed the flaw in my issue with Mayor of Easttown, which, but just the way, just the way murder stuff is hitting me now. And, you know, like, yeah. You know, finding a, you're a naked woman's body on the rocks and yeah, it's it's. I will say you're not missing much. I watched all of Mayor of Easttown. There was one episode where I was like, oh, that was phenomenal television, but I hated the ending. I hated how they wrapped up the murder. Like, it was one of those things where I just was like, ugh, this is fine. Like, it's not making any top ten list for me ever. <laughs> so I think you're fine. Tapping out. Okay. Um, not much. Yeah, and that okay. I probably will not press forward then. But uh, it, yeah, my issue was I thought it was was well done. I I don't know. It's weird times, and things are hitting me as problems at different times. So oh, that's totally fair. I feel the same way about like. There's probably some shows where I would have never watched some years, but I'd watch it this year, or vice versa. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that's just yeah. There ain't nothing wrong with that. So as, as long as you brought up uh, violent hard to watch shows uh this was on your list i don't know how you feel about it is squid game oh god um i was like everyone else and like i watched it because everyone was talking about it um i i liked like i don't know how to explain it i liked i liked it but i did predict the two major twists um, like I, I called them early on in the season. Um, and then especially the one about the brother, I had that within like, Oh, wow. Good job. I, I called that in a second. Um, but the, <laughs> I, I liked, I don't know. There's something, I don't know how, I truly don't know how to say this. I'm just going to say it in like the most bare bones way. I really liked the sets. Like I like something about the creepy, like, empty playground with all these adults like there's something that like just like the child like the childhood memories just so stark with like the extreme violence like something about that setup was just very cool to me mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I did have a I did have a rough time because it, it was very violent although not the same way as like a shin bone rocketing out of someone's leg but like um but I I didn't yeah I didn't like the ending I don't know. I guess I'm having, like, I'm really picky about endings with shows, apparently. Um, But I did overall, like, I get the hype. Like, all the actors were great, even though I was, like, reading subtitles, you know? Like, like that. I don't think that should stop anyone from appreciating how great the acting is, because you can tell. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just because you're reading the dialogue doesn't take anything away from it. Um, So I thought all the acting was great. But, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't nuts. Like, not a top ten, but I'm glad I watched it. It was a good show, but yeah, that's where I came down most for the most part too. Is I I was glad I watched it. I the ending I didn't like at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could pretty much just cut the last episode and I'd be fine. Yeah, I think that yeah, the last episode felt unnecessary. The the visuals were were tremendous and the, yes. the tension of the games. Like every time they had a game episode, it was I was watching through my fingers, but I was so and. 
Yeah, there, the there's a lot of violence, but a lot of times, you know, somebody would get shot and it would be a squib and that would be mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, except tug of war, there was a thing where they did show somebody's brain on the floor. And I was just going to say the tug of war one was the one I had a real hard time with. And actually, even the bridge one, like the people, anytime where someone fell and it was like a cursed blat of a human, I did not love. <laughs> yeah. And just the broken glass bothered me because that's such a, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to get shot, but I can't imagine what it's like to cut yourself on broken glass. Yeah. Oh God. It's not great. A thing I thought was weird. And I don't know if this is, is common for uh, like Korean TV, but it had way more plot than it needed. Like the stuff, the subplot about the organ thieves yeah that didn't pay off it yeah that was that was a weird move even the undercover cop wouldn't have really battered if you'd cut it oh yeah the it, it added the thing it added was just the fact that the one character like the the brother like that you know like it just added i guess to his story more than anything um i will say the episode with the marbles maybe that entire last like 20 minutes i was sobbing like oh, God. like i like i don't cry in real life ever but for some reason with tvs and movies apparently that's like my emotional like where i'll just allow myself i sobbed like <laughs> i couldn't believe because at that point i was I, I didn't think i cared like i was like oh it's a good show but like yeah whatever but then it was just like a wreck i had to like take a break <laughs> i was like what just happened <laughs> It was like the two the two younger girls. I think it was theirs, and then the um, when the one guy betrayed the other guy. I can't remember any character name apparently, but there's just those two moments back to back where I just was a mess. Mm -hmm. Oh, the guy but, who got betrayed too. He just so heartbroken. Yeah, like I just couldn't bear it to like look at that. Like that. That's what I'm talking about. Like the emotion on that actor's face was just so like, oh my god, it got me. Got me good. I did have the dumbest thought while watching it was that every time there was a somebody was going to unmask, I kept thinking, oh, it's probably going to be somebody really famous. And then I'm like, <laughs> but it, unless it's Sun from Lost, I would not know the most famous Korean actor. <laughs> and apparently a couple of them were really famous. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that the the one who was the brother, I think, was very famous. Um, or the or the guy in the subway station who slapped the main character who started off kind oh, really? of the whole okay. thing. Yeah, I think those two were are particularly like stars. But yeah, I feel I'm very out of my depth. I'm not sure. But I would ask that in the like, next. Yeah. I would ask I that say, in the next season if they want to have stars that they should they should use the cast of Parasite because I would recognize them. Yeah. And I'd be like, "There's a big star." Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm curious, was there talk of like, there being an American version of Squid Game, or did I just imagine that? Like, like they're, like, a, not a reboot, what's, like, kind of like a, yeah, just an American version? I think yeah, I maybe I, made that up, or I, someone talked about it, but it wasn't a real thing. All I can think about is how horrible it would be. Oh, it absolutely would be. I'm sure somebody is talking about it right now, but, oh, but, uh. It was really upsetting to see how many rich people did their own version of Squid Game for like Halloween stuff. Like, that was dark. Oh god. Yeah, that was some 
some of the wrong people very much enjoyed Squid Game. Yeah, it's like you don't get the you don't get the core points here, bud. If you're like, it's just a fun dress up game, right? And you play kids games. It's like, oh. about how debt crushes everyone and how like the rich don't. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of waiting for uh 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 President Obama always puts out like his best of the year lists. <laughs> and he he will uh like he focuses really on movies and this year he had at least one movie that did not come out this year on his best of 2021 list. <laughs> really? Um but there like there will often be things that were sort of the message of which are at odds with his, his administration. Oh, geez. Um, and I don't mean like, like, I'm not talking like Kelsey Grammer Republican TV shows, but, you know, something about, uh, you know, the horrors of a never ending war or. Yeah, I was going to say how drone strikes are bad. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I was trying to come up with an example, but I know there has been something like that. And that always makes his list and it always strikes me as weird. And I'm, I'd kind of be, and I, I say this with, 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 with respect for Obama, who was not, not a perfect man by any means, but uh, bless his heart. He did better than a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what his take on squid game would be. I feel yeah, like I that's bet, really I bet you watched it. List and, for sure. Uh, I don't know. That seemed weirdly critical of Barack Obama, but his his list of movies, really his favorite movies, really bothered me this year. I think you're not alone. A lot of my timeline on Twitter talks about how there's definitely an element of tone deafness when like <laughs> a very powerful person puts out their best of, and like some of the content in their best of is just like, I don't know if you got the point there, bud. <laughs> right. I mean, he put the last duel on his list, and that had a movie where you had to watch a rape scene twice. Oh God! A lot of people were going hard for the last duel on my timeline, and um, I have no desire to see it. And I'm gonna make a vow right here on your podcast: I will never see that movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just keep on trucking. <laughs> I, I'd say don't bother. I know there is sort of this weird fandom for it, and part of it was Ridley Scott going, uh, yes, going all nuts. Like anytime somebody says they don't like superhero movies, uh, film Twitter will just embrace everything they do as genius from there on out. Yeah. The last duel was not good. Uh, the only thing I enjoyed about it is that Adam Driver is in it. I do and like Adam Driver. I like Adam and uh, Jody Comer is in it too. And I think she's fantastic. But the thing mm. I liked about Adam Driver being in it is he looks so modern. <laughs> like you cannot convince me he's in 1600s France. It, <laughs> I feel it, that way about Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben Affleck, they at least made look stupid. Yeah, I guess he had a weird like, wig, didn't he? Gave him a bad wig and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he he is another one of those uh, uh, guys. But Adam Driver in a period piece, it would have been less distracting if somebody had been playing a Nintendo Switch in one scene. <laughs> oh my goodness. Adam Driver, man, that, that man is a busy fella. He is everywhere. He's been in so many damn it's movies. Crazy. And I haven't seen this. I don't think I've seen any of I haven't seen any uh, from the last year, at least. I think from what I saw on Twitter, you were also a fan. Of what? Uh, our friend Ted Lasso. Oh boy, I'm like extremely basic. I almost am embarrassed by how much I love Succession and how much I love Ted Lasso. But Ted Lasso, and I know you say 
you're talking about how like the rom-coms aren't for you. Ted Lasso is a rom-com. And if a certain couple does not get together in season three, I will be so furious. <laughs> like I will be like a level of mad. I don't remember the last time I felt watching a TV show. So it's all kind of dependent on season three, how much I'm ride or die for Ted Lasso. But in the <laughs> meantime, one and two, they're just, I don't know. Season one is just delightful. I am like, a real sucker for Jason Sudeikis. Mm-hmm. I think it's like he just was like during the era of my when I watched SNL religiously, like him, Bill Hader, Will Forte, Andy Samberg, like just that whole crew of like brunette white guys apparently <laughs> were just like my ride <laughs> or dies. And I and luckily they've all gone on to do shows that I've also been like enjoyed greatly. Um, but yeah, yeah, Jason Sudeikis I really love because he's also in one of my favorite movies. Um, called Sleeping with Other People. But anyways, all that to oh, say. Oh, yeah, we could do a whole separate spin-off podcast about that. I love that movie. So I'm, that's like a top five rom-com. Um, yes. But yeah, Ted Lasso, I love. I think it's so good. People were so hard on it for season two. Um, but it's like, I read a lot about how they wrote that show because I think it's really interesting. They knew what the show was going to be. They had the whole three-season arc planned out before they even started shooting it and started writing it. And so I think it's one of those things where the middle of any story is usually when it's like the darkest, you know, mm-hmm. and they even talk that like, he like explicitly states it in one of the episodes. Like it's almost meta, but like, I don't know. So people were really hard on season two, but I really liked it. I thought they did a great job, but do you like it? I got to Oh, I, I, okay. I love that lasso. Okay, good. I got to know. <laughs> What level? Because some people hate on it so hard, and like it's almost become like a joke of like, oh, it's another Ted Lasso show. But it's like sometimes things that are popular are good, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta make your peace with it. Good. Yeah. So I go, I guess when you watch sitcoms, and I have this question about a show that we'll talk about later. When you watch the sitcom, and there's so clearly a couple you want to get together like do you ever care about that like do you ever like when you watched parks and rec or something did you care about ben and leslie or andy and oh, april or are you just oh, like yeah, 100%, 100%. Give me the jokes? okay so on ted lasso is there any couple you care about and there is a right or wrong answer boy i'm uh i <laughs> I'm really putting you on the spot here i was shocked at how uh I, I am 100% in support of Roy and Keeley, but those two crazy kids are doing fine. Oh, yeah. I love them. They're, they're spoken. Yeah. I was shocked at how happy I was for Sam and Rebecca when it looked like that could be a thing. That oh. There was something just wonderful about that to me. Really interesting. I hate... Oh. This is going to be a rare disagreement amongst us. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I'm interested in the couple that you're... I am full steam ahead. I need Ted and Rebecca to get together in a way that I like, and almost to the point because the people who hate that idea are so vocal that it's made me even like care more than I would normally. And the reason is they are perfectly laying out parallels, like rom-com level parallels in season one in multiple episodes and season two in multiple, multiple episodes where the only satisfying arc of these parallels would be if they end up together in season three. So it's like, it makes me feel like psycho galaxy brain when I watch this show where I'm just like, if they're, why are they doing these things if this couple doesn't end up together in the, like the final season, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm like all in on Ted and Rebecca. Sam is a sweetie pie, and I love him, but that was, like, 
Rebecca was in her hot mess era. <laughs> so <laughs> I think she was allowed to have some fun, but it was like such a, the fact that no character was like, that was a bad idea <laughs> like, is <laughs> nuts to me. The closest we got was when she told Ted and he was like, oh, um, I think that's fine. Like that was the closest we got to someone being like, you are his boss and like could be his mom. <laughs> like Rebecca, what are you doing, bud? There, I, there was just something about how how much it meant to Sam that made me very happy. I know but. Sam is such a sweetie pie. So I did. I I wasn't like mad about it, but I like I just didn't want it to be a thing long term. Like I was happy that it ended. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm okay. With, and and if if there if if we are looking at Ted and Rebecca, I would I would be happy. It's Good. not a deal breaker for me because I. I very much like when men and women are friends also, and they are so perfectly suited as friends. That is the argument a lot of people who are anti-Ted and Rebecca say. They say, you know, it's so nice to see a male-female friendship on television. And I 100% agree. But I will say something that is rarer on television is two middle-aged divorcees finding love in the second half of their life. So there's something like weirdly beautiful about the fact that Rebecca was in this abusive relationship where she was like constantly told she like wasn't enough you know like eat this she has those lines I can't remember what it is was like eat this wear this and then there's Ted this little sweetie pie who's like too optimistic too much of like a there's a silver lining you know and also has like too much grief that he hasn't dealt with so he's too much she's not enough and there's something really beautiful that they they meet in kind of like a like a classic rom-com way of like kind of false circumstances you know like like she kind of lures like not lures him over but hires him under these false pretenses and then just the fact that they almost see each other more than anyone else in their lives see each other like what is it like episode three or four I can't remember where there's the gala and she's out on the street crying because Rupert just came and was big jerk to her and they're like these characters she doesn't even like Ted at that point and she like opens up emotionally and they like have this like beautiful hug like it just was crazy I was like this is four episodes and she's doing a terrible job of trying to destroy this person <laughs> she's like <laughs> but she's immediately like depending on him um and then yeah that like it's paralleled what like a few episodes later when Ted has his first panic attack like she's the one that notices and follows him and calms him down like there's all these things that I'm just like why would you like and the thing about the female male friendship is like I think there's a lot of other good examples of it in the show. Like there's Higgins and Rebecca. Like I think there's a lot of it. And I just think it would be so much more satisfying and a story that's less told if it ends up with these two middle-aged characters, like, I don't know, finding love, right? Like, cause I don't know, there's like Ron and Leslie from Parks and Rec and there's like Lemon and Jack from 30 Rock. Like, I feel like there's a lot of examples of kind of just, just the friendship, but I don't know. I think I just love Ted and Rebecca's characters so much that I'm just like, they deserve to find love. I don't know. I could talk about them forever. <laughs> I I literally cannot argue with anything you said, and I think you're actually kind of turning me around, uh, which which is not to say that I was rooting against them as a couple. I, I just... Uh, I think they, they've layered a lot of things that like I don't even just the parallel of like the truth bomb you know like how in season one she comes and tells him like I lied to you season two she comes and says I've had (laughs) sleeping with Sam and the shots are identical the like 
everything about it is identical. And he says, like, you know, see you next year or whatever. Like, kind of, <laughs> like, if that is not paid off in season three with some sort of, like, confession of love, I'm just like, what was it all for? Like, that would be so unsatisfying. I don't know. You know, and and after multiple times this season when they, they very specifically uh, uh, invoked rom-com uh, tropes, like, mm-hmm. but, you know, in including in other contexts, like a lot of stuff with Roy, with him trying to get to the, get to the stadium. And, oh my God, I love that scene. And uh, yeah, it, you know what? I, I think you've gotten to the, to, to the, the conclusion that makes the most sense. You won me over. Heck yeah. Well, there's also, even in season two, like the, there's the Christmas episode, which is like, this the sweetest episode of television. I remember people being so upset about it. They're like, there's no conflict in it. And then it's like, man, just wait till the rest of the season. It's like nothing but like despair. So I'm so happy we have that Christmas episode. That's just like pure joy. But it's like, she comes and saves him at like his lowest moment where he's just like depressed and drinking. It's a wonderful life or whatever. <laughs> she saves him and like, you know, and then it's mirrored again later in the season when she's at her father's funeral like just hitting rock bottom because she does not know what to say. And then he walks in and kind of gives her the little salute. Like, and then not to even mention, I read this crazy theory that was confirmed by Sudeikis where, do you remember in the funeral episode, they're telling, (laughs) they're sharing their equal trauma. Like Rebecca's talking Mm -hmm. to her mom and Ted's talking to the therapist or whatever. And it's like those two traumatic events, they occurred on the exact same day, like September something, 1991 or whatever. Like literally, like it's the way it's intercut. And then it was confirmed later that like in an interview or something that those two events, like why would you have this like cosmic trauma (laughs) between these two characters if they're not like meant to be together? I don't know. I'm like fully off the rails (laughs) on those two. Those two crazy kids. That's really good. Yeah, I. It just I feels like they're building where it could be like like one of the best like constructed love stories in like a compact sitcom. That it just feels like if they don't make that kind of the end of it, it's like, well, what was the point of all these little moments? Also, they're both just attractive people. So, like, is it a crime to have them make out? You know, arrest me. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's. I I have put less thought into into that pairing than you, but uh, I still just found it an absolute. It's just an absolute delight every week to watch. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that whole thing aside, I genuinely love the show. Yeah, <laughs> that all aside, it's very very funny, and I love all the boys, like all the soccer. Like they're just like there's so many other things that are so great about that show, but that's the one I'm like the most vocal about apparently. <laughs> the the thing that jumps out at me that uh, uh, where you can tell uh, uh, Bill Lawrence from Scrubs is one of the co-creators and there's a lot of criticism you can levy at Scrubs, but one of the things he did really well was make all of the supporting characters so well-defined right away that you were excited to see them interact with, with each other in new ways. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, good. Give me Coach Beard and Higgins in a room together. Let's see what happens. Oh, my God. One of my favorite jokes was, um, I can't remember what season it was in, but it's something like, I think it's when one of the the Diamond Dogs was called to a meeting or something, and they make a joke to 
Higgins, like climb on through the window, like Dukes of Hazard, or what you ha- call over here the Earls of, what is like <laughs> Earl of Caution, or something. it was something so stupid, and it really, really, I love Higgins. His his little face gets me. But you're totally right. Like the fact that there could be a whole episode about Beard and the Pub Boys, that was just like weird and delightful. Like I really love Coach Beard. Coach Beard is, my gosh. His it's, facial expressions get me. Same thing, comedic facial expressions every time. It's sucker for him. That episode had a genuine sense of menace to me, though, too. Like, I loved it, but the whole time I was like, Coach Beard might actually be in trouble. Oh, yeah. Like, he gets the crap like, beat out of him. There is some dark stuff this season. Is it going to go bad? Yeah, is Coach Beard going to die? <laughs> yeah, it was, Um, that episode's weird as heck, but I really loved it. I love that. Yeah, that whole show is so great. Yeah. I okay. That's that's one. My sister and I talk about it every time there's a new episode because she's the one who got me on it. And yeah, it's it's one of those shows that just it just makes you feel good. Oh, and it's yeah, it makes. And I have a friend who lives in a different city from me, but we we like when it would be dropped on like Thursday night or whatever, we would text each other, be like, starting now. <laughs> And then we would debrief in a half hour when the show was done. I will say if Ted and Rebecca either A, get together in season three, or B, tragically do not get back together, or get together, pardon me, I'm going to have to, can I just have access to your podcast for like an hour where we can just talk about just that? Because <laughs> I'm going to need to blow off some steam. <laughs> we we will have the, the, the Ted Lasso after show. <laughs> okay, perfect. Because I a Twitter thread will not be enough for all of my thoughts either way if that turns out. Uh, I do have to say about Ted Lasso a I don't know if you're aware of this but uh, uh, one of our our friends from the show Danny Rojas. Yes. He is in the new Spider-Man movie very briefly. Is he really? Oh, I'm very excited. I'm seeing that movie. I'm taking my mom on Wednesday as like an early Christmas gift. And I've managed to stay spoiler free so far. And I'm very, okay. very excited to see it. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but I love that movie. I, and you you probably know about me and superheroes. And I, I have a lot of emotional connections. But this thing mm-hmm. made me cry. Really? It, it made also, you Oh, Oh, no. It made you cry? Oh, I'm going to well, have to break the shoes. Sometimes I would just... Out of, I mean, there, there's, there's tragedy at the core of Spider-Man always, but there are just That's these, right. these things that were so beautiful to me to watch that I couldn't believe I was actually seeing after, after you know, being a fan of Spider-Man since I was a very tiny child. Yeah. Okay. I'm very excited. Yeah. It is. It is lovely. Uh, yeah. Who's your favorite? Uh, this, this will be a whole. I'm sure you've talked about it before too, and I just, I'm just curious. It can be just. A, like, who's your favorite Spider-Man, like, of the actors who have portrayed him? Um, I have to say, Tom Holland is the closest to how I've always pictured Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was I was a much younger man when the Tobey Maguire ones came out and there were no other real superhero movies. Yeah, yeah, they and, were kind of an enigma then. And I think his, I think especially his, his second movie with, with Dr. Octopus, Alfred Molina is still one of the best superhero movies I've seen. Yeah, that one rules. Uh, Even after a million of them have come out. Yeah. But it is, Tom Holland is the one who seems most. 
Oh, your audio cut out for me. Yeah, your audio cut out for me, so. Perfect. We just got to sit in silence for a few minutes thinking about Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom Holland seems like a high school kid with problems, which is yeah. the sweet spot of Spider-Man for me. Yeah. I do think Andrew Andrew Garfield's movies had a lot of bad things in them, but his performance, he, he gets been, the oh, compassion of Peter Yeah, he was the one that made me always want to cry as Peter Parker. Just because everything, I just, I just wanted him to be okay. But those movies were not very good. <laughs> but he was good in them. Yeah, and I did I, like Andrew Garfield. We, we've, we've got a good. Who's your, who's your Spider Man? I feel the exact same way as you do. I think Tom Holland is probably like the closest. Like I don't know. Like he's young. He's funny. He's like what I pictured Spider Man to be. But I have the nostalgia of seeing Tobey Maguire. Um, and then the same thing where I think. Andrew Garfield, like the emotional, like like you said, compassionate, like he did that. Like they were, they were all good. Like none of them were bad. But I think Tom Holland might yeah. be my favorite. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, it's 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 not like movie Batman's where you could pick out a couple of bad ones. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Affleck. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay, well, I don't want to inadvertently spoil anything. Um, let me hit, hit your list. I know we got a, a few more that are interesting. Yeah, to we can cover. do some quick punches with them. I, I gave you a whole bunch. I clearly have, have been staying home a lot the past year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you had Brooklyn Nine Nine. Love that How show. How do you feel about the final season? Okay, good. I thought they did one like sitcom series finales are really hard and there have been some that have really hit for me and some that I've really missed. And like, I think the Brooklyn nine nine finale was fantastic. I like straight up laughed out loud multiple times and they did the great thing that I love when sitcoms do is they just kind of made you feel like a sitcom finale should, I don't like when they introduce like huge changes. Um, I always find that really jarring. Um, but they did enough where it's like you knew what the future of these characters would be and you felt like safe and happy about it. <laughs> like you're just like, everyone will be fine. Um, yeah, so I really liked I really like how they wrapped everything up. But um did you watch that show? Yeah, the, the the final episode was a competition to see who could be the better friend. I mean, how do you not yeah, love like that? <laughs> that's like the sweetest thing. And I once again sobbed my eyes out at the end of that show when Peralta like and um, Holt had that little conversation. Oh man, it got me. Um, but I loved it. I thought they did such a great job rapping. I had, a, I wasn't sure how, like this final yeah. season was a little hit, like spotty cause they just had to cover so much in so few episodes. Um, but the finale, I think they just nailed it. Yeah. And they had this added degree of difficulty where, uh, Honestly, the national view of police was very different from from the end of the previous season to the beginning of this one. Yeah, holy smokes. They had to, and to try and handle. They did such a good job, like having Rosa leave the force and having that John McGinley character as sort of the, you know, the the real life bad guy. I yeah. could have. Yeah, I think they, they yeah, they did, they did a good job in a situation that was sort of tricky. Like, in because it's like, it's a sitcom, like, how heavy do you, do you get on, like, defunding the police? Like, and they, they managed to, I think, I think they found the balance. 
pretty well there. So your audio has been cutting out, but you're probably recording okay. So okay, the people listening will have a better idea of what you're saying than I did. But okay, I was just saying Brooklyn Nine Nine did a good job. <laughs> that was it. Again, I like how in a short number of episodes, they short number, small number of episodes, they still hit everything you wanted. Like you got the the Pontiac Bandit episode and you got Adrian Pimento one last time and like you know everybody you wanted to see was back for for one last go round which is a thing I really like when a show does me too like they didn't make it too fan servicey but it did feel a little bit like a victory lap like it, they just got to hit all the notes that everyone loves and then wrap it up nicely like that's my favorite way for a sitcom to go out yeah. Um, okay. You know what? As long as we're talking network sitcoms, <laughs> and we were going to save this one till the end, but I, uh, our, I, I couldn't get in touch with our, our potential other guest. Um, Superstore wrapped up this year. Yeah. Feels like a lifetime ago. And uh, you probably know this about maybe I don't know how much you pay attention to things I tweet. Um, <laughs> I did not watch Superstore until this year. Yes, I did know that. I did pay attention to your tweets. <laughs> With what's on television. Mm-hmm. Um, I it just somehow never really clicked with me and. uh I only got caught up within the last two years, so I'm kind of with you. Hold on. I completely lost you. I'm sure people are. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Holy smokes. I was just saying with Superstore, I only started watching it within the last like two years. So I, I missed it for the most part also. Okay. That, yeah, that's, I watched it this year because uh, my friend and past and future guest of the podcast, Summer, was always referencing it. And I'm like, oh, I should probably watch that. And so I, it's a little hard for me to keep track of what was this year because I watched all 100, 100 plus episodes yeah. in very limited time. Yeah. And uh, I actually have not watched the finale yet. Uh, oh, really? Summer, okay. Yeah, Summer has not watched it because she's pulling a Desmond from Loss and keeping it in, in reserve. So I had to agree I won't watch it until she does. So I, I mean, I assume nobody dies in the finale. <laughs> no, you're, 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 yeah, no, no one dies. <laughs> um, be a weird turn. Yeah. <laughs> the tornado comes back and kills them all this time. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Um, okay, how do I talk about the show without talking about the finale? Um, hmm. And you know Was nothing that? about the finale. You know nothing about the finale, I lost you right? For a second. Oh, sorry. Am I back? Hello? Yes, now I've got you. Um, so have you been spoiled at all for the finale? Just a minute. You're cutting in and out, and it's probably recording fine. So it's just going to be irritating to people. 
yeah, that I keep talking about it, but uh, it's a okay. You keep cutting up, like um, you will disappear for a little bit too, and I think it's probably simultaneous for us. Cool. The internet's good. <laughs> it's almost like we're in very different locations. Um, have you been spoiled for the Superstore finale? That's what I was asking. That probably keeps I have cutting not. out. I haven't. Sorry. We're, we'll, we'll tough it out. We're getting close to the end, I think. Yeah, we've been going for a while. <laughs> uh, one would hope. Uh, that sounded like I'm not having a delightful time. I just can't hear you sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, I haven't been spoiled, and it's... It's a little hard for this year, but I think the the uh, final season was really remarkable in the way it it was kind of the first piece of entertainment to to really approach the pandemic directly. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the first few episodes, especially, really nailed that that weird supposed to wear a mask but you couldn't get them anywhere mm -hmm. and i mean so much of that show was was touching on things that are very uh uh sort of key things for for middle class people that don't usually get addressed on tv because tv isn't made by middle class people yeah they did an incredible job showing what it's like to work in a crappy like middle like minimum wage job where like you get treated like garbage by people like and you're just trying to make ends meet and yeah the way they handled the pandemic was like they're probably one of the only shows I actually wanted to see address the pandemic because that's like the point of view you actually want to hear from mm -hmm. is like the people who were like they want to go home too but they can't because they're trying to make sure everyone else can come and get groceries or get you know white like you know all the things um so i was yeah that was one of the few shows where i was like i'm happy they addressed the pandemic and i felt like it was actually they had good stories to tell from it yeah they did it they did such a good pandemic mm -hmm. uh not that I, not that uh, episodes, but it's when you think of how much time went to that, uh, you know, there would have been a lot of extra real estate in the season. And I wonder if they had, had different plans originally. Yeah, I'm curious because like before the final season, America Ferrera was going to leave. Like, and she, she did leave, but like. I'm I just curious how much like what that final season would have looked like if there wasn't a pandemic and that main character had left, you know, like I don't know what I'm curious what it would have been. But I really want you to watch the finale. But I understand you're packed. I respect it. But the finale was very 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 good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you 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 fuzzed out on that, so I'll find out what you said later when I listen to the recording. Oh, it was thrilling, I'm sure. <laughs> ah. It'll change your life, what I said. 
<laughs> the interconnection, internet connection is so bad right now. I'm just disconnecting I know. things in the house. Oh, God. Um, um, you know what? There, there's a couple. Uh, let, let's get some quick hits done before the internet completely falls apart. Okay, let's go uh, for it. I think you Speed sh- round. And you cut out immediately. <laughs> How can I make my internet better? You cut out for the last maybe 45 seconds. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't hear anything yeah. after. Let's do a speed round. Okay. Yeah, I said I think you should leave, and then I couldn't hear you, so it was as if you I, have yeah, laughed. I, um, <laughs> I did. I followed yours. Think you should leave season two. Loved it. Laughed my whole butt off every episode from top to bottom. This show is absolutely ridiculous. I and... I love Tim Robinson so much. He's the fun. He just makes me laugh like a maniac. It's. He occupies such a weird space in comedy. Like there, there isn't another version of what he does. I know it's perfect. I watched. I think you should leave. And specifically, I've watched Detroiters maybe once a month since March 2020. It's like my go-to comfort show. I've watched it so many times. And yeah, I just. Why is him yelling the funniest thing in the world? I don't know. It gets anytime he yells, I just start cracking up. I'm impressed, as funny as he is, how much he is willing to let other people, and especially people who aren't even regular cast members, really just score. Oh, it's so great. It makes me so happy. The All of the extremely weird, like, character actors, people that I truly wonder if he just, like, sees them on the street, and he's like, hey, do you want to <laughs> come do, like, two minutes on my show? Like, he just, like, he, he truly is, like, such a, I don't know what... So maybe it's because he worked at SNL for a bit and maybe he didn't have the best experience. I'm not sure. But it just seems like he's such a team player. Where he's like, whoever is going to score, whoever can do this line or this bit, the funniest is the one who's going to do it. Like, oh, God, you're. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Actually, since we mentioned that show, this would all just be a good place to do do a very quick ad for our sponsor, TeasedBySummer.com, which has the best. I think you should leave merchandise on the entire Internet. I have a t-shirt from her. That is, I think you should leave based. I lost you, but I assumed you're agreeing with me. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I said I have a, I have a t-shirt that I bought from her. That's, I think, oh, you yeah. Carl Havoc on it. And it's very, it says, it's very good. I love it. I wear it all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all, I'm always telling people who listen they ha- they they have to buy something or else they can't they can't continue listening. So it's it's good that you're you frankly that you have taste. Let's be yeah. honest. Five stars for teas by summer, I say. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm just doing a quick ad because of uh our internet problems, but Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you have, you have two things on here. I just want to talk about real quick, I think. Uh, only murders in the building. Yes. 
that was better than I expected. I went in with high hopes because I am such a Steve Martin, Martin Short fan. I love those two goofballs. And I was, like, shocked by how invested I was in the actual, like, murder mystery part of it rather than just, like, mm-hmm. I want to see Steve, Steve, Steve Martin and Martin Short be funny. And then also I had never seen Selena Gomez in anything. I know so little about her. And I thought she was so great. I thought she was just, like, such a great um, third member of their little yeah, unit. Yeah, I'm completely unfamiliar with her and she was so natural it was yeah it was fun to watch her with these two just old pros yeah she kept up with them in a way that i was like man i really underestimated her she's fantastic but yeah i loved it i thought it was great yeah i had this uh i kind of went into this with this bad feeling it was going to be uh uh, old men making fun of millennial culture and it's not that at all yeah I also had that fear and I was really scared like oh god is it like stunt casting that they have like Selena Gomez like a young star in it and then I was like oh no it's all great and it's all in service of like a really interesting story and you're totally right there wasn't any like millennials right it was like yeah. no like it's, it was yeah it was very very good yes okay we agree on that so- <laughs> Last one I, I want to mention that if you have anything you want to wrap up with, uh, uh, I saw you have WandaVision on here, which I absolutely loved, but I'm a giant nerd. Um, that one was a huge surprise for me because I've seen most, if not all, of the Marvel Universe movies. Um, and I haven't seen, I've only seen WandaVision and Hawkeye as far as the TV shows. But Wanda and Vision were two of the mcu characters i can honestly say i cared about the least like especially wanda wanda i just did not give a hoot about that character um but i absolutely loved that tv show (laughs) i thought it was so interesting i felt so invested same thing cried at some points during it like yeah i was shocked by how much i loved it and it's such a I, I know it's the least controversial opinion in the in the world to be like, hey, I liked a Marvel thing. <laughs> uh, but their standards are their their standards are pretty high. Like they're there's a reason they do well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and but it was such a a weird premise for this, like what's probably the biggest franchise in the world right now. Yeah, and, it was. Yeah, it was very weird. They they open they open with a full I love Lucy episode in black and white. Right. That's I think I just like that it took big swings. Yeah, and and yeah and I think you know like me you're a big TV fan so that was really gratifying to see this sort of love letter to television mixed in with this story about dealing with with grief and trauma and also how magic works. Yeah, it was um yeah, so well done. And also just a lot of the casting I really loved. Like I know it's been said like ad nauseum now, but like Katherine Hahn is truly one of my favorite comedic actresses to have ever walked the planet. And the fact oh, yeah. that she got to score so big in like a Marvel thing just made me so happy. I don't know. I just was just joyous. Just made me so happy to see Katherine Hahn just crushing it. Yeah, she was great and and I know they're you know, 
they are they are talented actors. But before this show, I had never thought to myself, hey, you know who's funny? Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I knew they were talented, like dramatic actors, yeah. but they like had proper comedic chops that I found so delightful. Especially Elizabeth Olsen. That one really surprised me because I've only I knew she was a great actress, and I also always felt Wanda did not show her full potential as an actress because I've seen so many other things with her in it where she's like phenomenal. And I always thought Wanda was so like one note in the, like the mm-hmm. Avengers movies. And so I was just so happy that I like with WandaVision, you see like the full scope of how good Elizabeth Olsen like actually is as an actress. And um, yeah, Paul Bettany was so good in it. <laughs> the, the, the 60s episode where he has gum stuck in him. So he's basically Dick Van Dyke drunk. <laughs> That's so like, good. I did not know he was capable of that. It was so yeah. funny. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, there was like I think I really liked that show so much because there was a lot of surprises and like a, like a lot of just like weird choices you didn't expect from Marvel. Um, yeah, I ended up enjoying it like a thousand percent more than I thought I would. Yeah, it was it was. I expected to like it because that's kind of how I'm wired, but it was surprising <laughs> to me how much I enjoyed it. Like, yeah, it it could have been fine, and I would have been excited to watch it every week. But it was it was legitimately really good. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, those are, and uh, I, I I don't know if you've heard this, and it's not a spoiler because it doesn't exist yet, but uh they're picking up on stuff from that in the next Doctor Strange movie. Oh, really? Yeah, like Wanda is in the next Doctor Strange. Interesting. So that, you know, I what we're kind of seeing now, you see it in Hawkeye too, is the movies and the TV shows are sort of informing one another in a way that's very surprising. Yeah, I, I, I like that. It it feels like, I guess it, they're trying to parallel what it's like to read a bunch of series of comic books where characters, like, go in and out and pop in and things affect other series and all that. It's very interesting to do with, like, million, million, like, very expensive movies and TV shows. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good way, I mean, Wanda was never going to get a showcase in a movie. Like you said, she's very underused in the movies where she appears. Yeah, they were never going to... Yeah, look how long it took them to make a Black Widow movie. Right. Yeah, Wanda was never going to get nine hours of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the big surprises for me. Um, uh, this is a very long episode. Is there anything you want to mention yet? Um, I think we covered all the shows I had. I got to go on my Ted and Rebecca rant, so I I accomplished what I came here to accomplish today. (laughs) (laughs) I converted one person to be pro Ted and Rebecca, so I feel like I've done my part for the world. Um, yeah, we also discovered we're both fans of, of sleeping with other people. Yes, I, okay, we, I would love to chat about that film, um, yeah, anytime. I love that movie so much, and I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that I watched that movie way more times than I care to admit. Uh, oh, same. It's absurd. I yeah, it's <laughs> it's like an unhinged level. How many times I've seen that movie? <laughs> it's, it's also a, a delightful entry in 
movies that bafflingly have both Alison Brie and Jason Manzukis. I know, there's so many more of them than you would think. <laughs> it's, it's weird how often they're in movies together. Yeah, and TV shows, because Zooks was on Community, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, he was in her subplot. Yeah. Just, uh... <laughs> too bad we didn't get a final season of Glow where he could have appeared. Oh god, he would have fit into that world too as like some screaming manager or something. He absolutely would have. Yeah. <laughs> or like a backyard wrestler or something. Oh god. Yeah. That's that's it. That's what he would have been. He would have been in a yeah, he would have been a backyard wrestler, just a maniac. <laughs> All right. Well it is it is always a delight to talk to you about TV. Um Yes, you as well. Thank you so much for letting me. Really- it, probably other things as well, but we've really only yeah. talked about TV. <laughs> um, and yes, we'll definitely do the post-game Ted Lasso, but you, you'll be back before. <laughs> We're willing I hope to so. suffer too bad internet. Yeah, <laughs> anytime. Happy to talk. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time and for being hilarious. And uh um and for shopping at our sponsor teasebysummer.com yeah anytime thank you so much for having me thank you we and everybody who's listening i might put out a christmas episode but i might just celebrate christmas who knows (laughs) you got this episode i'm not going to do better than that by myself (laughs) so if i don't talk to you have a merry christmas i'm going to stop recording in just a second and you can get on with your lives listeners Bye. Bye.